Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Is your business to know about the law and how it's affecting every aspect of your life? Is your business to know about what's happening that's really important in the media front, particularly as it relates to the law? And so that's why I'm really excited about uh, John O'Connor joining our uh, media team here. Uh, he'll be doing uh, reoccurring commentaries on business, the law, the political front, and the media. And we're delighted to have him join us. Uh, he's distinguished in uh, the legal profession. Uh, he is an experienced trial lawyer practicing law in San Francisco since the early 70s. And he has tried cases in state and federal courts throughout the country. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States in both criminal and civil cases. But he may be best known for his work as the attorney of Mark Felt, whom most of you know as Deep Throat in the uh, Watergate uh, situation. And uh, he became very familiar with the role of the Washington Post in Watergate in his representation of Mark Felt. And so uh, he brings a lot of experience. He also wrote briefs regarding uh, Patty Hearst, the United States versus Patty Hearst, and really had himself involved in some of the biggest lawsuits of the uh, 20th century, representing the uh, federal government uh, in the vast majority of those cases. So we're delighted to have him. He's going to be bringing his interesting insights uh, every other week here on the Price of Business show. You can learn more about him and his work at postgatebook.com. That's postgatebook.com. And that's the name of uh, the, the book that uh, he talks about most often. It relates to media, Postgate. And again, that's postgatebook.com. All right, with that, John O'Connor. Thanks, Kevin. The Price of Business has asked me to discuss the competing strategies in the January 6th indictment of Donald Trump. On April 2, 2022, President Joe Biden let it be known that he wanted Attorney General Merrick Garland to take the gloves off in his pursuit of Donald Trump. In spite of the supposed separation of the Justice Department from the White House, Garland readily complied, assigning aggressive prosecutor Jack Smith, and two sweeping indictments later, Trump faces two massive sets of criminal charges. The prosecution strategy is clear, motivated by political concerns. As Trump is beginning his nomination campaign, he will be tied down with the January 6th indictment set to be tried March 4, 2024, on the eve of Super Tuesday. Trump, the strategy goes, will look like a criminal to the public. At the same time, he will be forced to relive what the Democrats think were his worst times, leading up to and culminating in the January 6th protests, which Trump will be blamed for their getting out of hand. But Donald Trump's detractors, hungry for his humiliation, may be in for a big unwanted surprise if election subversion charges against him go to trial on this date set of March 4, 2024. The law of unintended consequences will likely cause gaping 2020 election wounds to be reopened, Trump to be provided a long-sought forum for his heretofore suppressed proof of grievances, and his true misdeeds to be overlooked. These results will assuredly not be what Joe Biden and Merrick Garland intended. Let's start with the contratemps over what appeared to most Americans to be significant failings of the administration of the 2020 election, some which were unfortunate artifacts of the COVID pandemic, 
others seemingly the intentional enabling of fraudulent practices, together causing lack of signature verification, governmental mailings of millions of unsolicited ballots, and the opportunistic ballot harvesting that resulted from both. Over 60 election protest lawsuits were largely unsuccessful, which frustrated conservatives and independents while giving the mainstream media baseless talking points that this was the most secure election in our history. It wasn't. In fact, each meaningful lawsuit was dismissed on a process basis, meaning that the overall merits of any state's election were never adjudicated. These dismissals were mostly correct, since elections are not meant to be relitigated in court. To be sure, court decisions in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania can be criticized as nakedly partisan avoidance of confronting clearly unconstitutional election practices. The angry, highly articulate dissents in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, decided four to three on party lines, should be required reading for all who spout the big lie shibboleth. Somewhat similarly, a Georgia court initially agreed that a private nonprofit could examine questionable absentee ballots in Fulton County in light of rampant irregularities. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger jumped into the fray, agreeing that Fulton County had a history of election mismanagement, but persuaded the court that private parties should not open these ballots. Rather, the case should be dismissed so that his office could investigate thoroughly. Of course, Raffsenberger did not. Nonetheless, these process decisions, avoiding any ruling on the merits, became the main talking points for media wishing to avoid any challenge to Biden's legitimacy. This all may change with this trial. That said, election objectors held the moral high ground until January 6, 2020, when elections protests got out of hand. These violent aspects were well anticipated by the Capitol Hill Police and the FBI, who did nothing to stop the small minority of violent saboteurs among the million or so protesters. Given all of the foregoing, after the country saw Biden inaugurated, the raw, passionate furor over a seemingly unfair election subsided, as the electorate looked not backward but forward. However, with Biden's continuing weak public approval, his administration sought to cripple Trump, insensitive to existing conservative disgruntlement with the former president. After all, Trump's unhinged antics cost Republicans two winnable Senate runoff elections in Georgia, and thus its control of that chambers. The poll numbers as a result were unimpressive for Trump. The insecure Biden, however, could not resist a coup de grace. It is now an accepted trope that Trump has been strengthened by public outrage over what appears to be a weaponized two-tier system of justice, which Biden has now put on steroids. This brings us to the sense that this recent indictment of the controversial ex-president, meant to drive a stake through his heart, was in fact a life-saving operation for Biden's chief antagonist. The indictment, in essence, charges that Trump lobbied to have Vice President Mike Pence delay vote certification while brandishing, quote, false, unquote, slates of electors under the claim that the Republicans, in fact, had won certain states. The gist of the charges? That Trump knew, in quotes, knew that he had lost the election in the key close-margin swing states. As these charges play out, not over a few weeks as occurred post-election, but over the next eight months, citizens will have the chance for unhurried reflection on exactly how tenuous and uncertain were the disputed swing state results. And the burden of proof will now be reversed, as well as the form of proof which should be admissible as defendant Trump's state of mind comes into play. The vast majority of courts reviewing the post-election objections demanded that the plaintiff meet its burden of showing by competent admissible evidence particularized miscounting. For example, I, John Public, was listed as voting, whereas in fact I did not vote, meaning someone else filled out my ballot. But any such affidavit proved only one potential vote miscount in court. 
physical sampling or statistical analysis pointing to widespread anomalies unfairly favoring Biden were not, unlike the foregoing, cognizable proof for those who bore the burden of proof. However, in the criminal case, Trump does not bear the burden of showing that any state election resulted in an incorrect result. Rather, the burden is on the prosecution to show, beyond a reasonable doubt, that Trump knew he had lost the elections. Trump should be able to show statistical irregularities as proof of his good faith belief that he had won, evidence not relevant in election protests. For instance, in Georgia, where 6.4% of mail ballots were rejected in 2016, 0.36% were rejected statewide in 2020, with only 0.05% in historically mismanaged Fulton County. Disqualified ballots in Fulton County were thus 1 128th of historical norms. Indeed, after counting there had been apparently stopped at 10.30 p.m., with poll observers gone, 23,487 votes were counted, with 23,000 going to Biden. In Arizona, under a consent decree obtained by a pro-immigrant nonprofit, federal-only voters were allowed to vote without any proof of citizenship, favoring Biden by 8,000 votes. Overseas ballots for Maricopa County, which normally would skew conservative, stunningly went 95% for Biden. There are plenty of additional regularities which should fill a lengthy book. None, however, should, quote, prove, unquote, that Trump won. But they do disprove any criminal state of mind which the prosecution must show beyond a reasonable doubt. If Trump is as unrestrained in proof as a criminal defendant should be, this case will take months to try. So while the citizenry will become increasingly outraged at the intentionally shoddy election safeguarding, the likelihood will be that the May 2024 Mar-a-Lago documents trial will get postponed past the 2024 election. The public would then be deprived of Trump's obstruction and lying charges as to classified documents, and these may be lost to posterity. All of this augurs a Shakespearean tragedy. Biden, not content to bask in the glow of his coronation to lead the world's greatest country, will now see his crown tarnished by what many will seem to have been abject thievery by his supporters, enabled by him. This ham-handed indictment, then, may be the last shoe to drop, disqualifying him from nomination. So while we all absorb in the coming months proof of the trashing of all meaningful swing state election safeguards, our laws will seem sickeningly weak, except for one, the law of unintended consequences.